read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome back to News and Views. I'm Rob Schofield. Ever since Republicans took control of the North Carolina legislature in 2011, they've passed income tax cut after income tax cut and bragged repeatedly of the supposed enormous benefits this has afforded to average North Carolinians. A new report from the Nonpartisan Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, however, debunks such claims. As it turns out, not only have the tax cuts hollowed out a host of core public structures and services, most notably our K-12 schools, they've left the tax code unfairer than ever. Today, in fact, rich North Carolina households now pay 50 to 75 percent less of their incomes in state and local taxes than do folks in the middle and at the bottom. And recently, I caught up with the author of the report, ITEP's Director of Research, Carl Davis, to examine some of its sobering details. Well, Carl Davis, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Obviously, ITEP has been putting out these reports for a long time, who pays taxes, but the new one's out. It, it's got data on all the states, and we want to talk about North Carolina, but give us the sort of overall picture of how state and local taxes are being collected in our country. I, I gather that in a lot of places, it's still a pretty regressive process. Yeah, that's right. So this is the only study that looks at every single state's tax system and tells you how much that folks are paying at every point on the income scale. And what we find is most of the time, states have what are called regressive tax codes, meaning the less you make, the more you pay. It's really completely upside down from what most people want out of the tax system, where you ask more of people who have large incomes or large amounts of wealth because, number one, they can afford to pay. And number two, they owe a decent part of their success to the services and the social stability that government provides. But instead of asking more of those folks at the top, North Carolina and most other states are asking less of them than anyone else in the whole state. So it's just completely backwards. It's not the kind of system most people want to see. And it really is that direct. It's the people in the top 1% who are paying the least, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's about a, a 6% rate on the top 1% of families in North Carolina. If you're a lower middle income earner, though, your rate's going to be closer to 9 or 10%. So you're so paying maybe even 50 to 75% more, really, it would sound like. Almost. Yeah, exactly. It's a huge wedge. So it's it's very special favor to higher income folks. And, you know, the reason for that really is because North Carolina and a lot of other states pay for most of the budget by either taxing the things you're buying or by taxing your home. And for low and middle income families, the the purchases they're making through, you know, groceries or utilities or gas to get to work, those purchases in their home, that swallows up most of their income. So if you tax that and use that kind of tax to pay for government, you're inevitably going to ask more low and middle income families. And uh, we're supposed to balance that out through the income tax code. North Carolina is not especially good at that, though. I was going to say, it used to be, we probably did a little better at one point. A decade ago, North Carolina had at least a moderately progressive income tax, in which a lot of states, of course, don't even have state income taxes. So that sort of set us maybe uh, in, in a somewhat better position. But obviously, the pattern over the last decade has been cut after cut, as well as to the corporate income tax, so that we've just are shifting more and more of the responsibility for funding government on those other less progressive taxes, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, I mean, the income tax is supposed to be the counterbalance. It's really the only way that you can ask more of high income folks who, who we know are going to pay so little in a sales tax. You know, you try to levy a sales tax 
on someone like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, it's merely going to scratch them. That's not how you get them to pay. You you have to to have a robust income tax. North Carolina, not too long ago, had a graduated income tax that asked more of high income people. Um, but it's since been flattened and then repeatedly cut. And so here's the problem. You take all these regressive sales and property taxes and you pair them with a flat income tax. The net result of that is a regressive tax system. So the whole idea, there's this counterintuitive thing. People think flat income tax, oh, flat sounds fair. Everyone's paying the same. Right. Sounds great. But in the context of the overall system, a flat income tax doesn't get you to a flat tax code at all. It gets you to a regressive one because of all these other taxes on the books. And I, I don't know if this was part of the report, but we can say that as we have cut taxes in North Carolina over the last decade, that's resulted in us having a lot less money for basic core structures and services of government, right? I mean, this is probably not a coincidence that this consistent cut in uh, the income tax has coincided with real big struggles in funding things like public education. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm a North Carolina resident with kids in public schools, and I'm very concerned about what we're paying our teachers. And I, I have a lot of questions about the prioritization of income tax cutting that we've seen so close to the top of the legislative agenda every year. But I mean, one thing we find in this study is that states that have more progressive or at least less regressive tax codes, Mm -hmm. they also tend to raise more revenue overall. And the reason for that is pretty simple because you have high income families receiving a huge share of overall income. There's immense income inequality in North Carolina and elsewhere. So if you take all those high income families income, and you say, we're going to tax these families at lower rates than everyone else, your system's not going to be able to raise that much revenue overall. So you're going to have to get by with paying your teachers less or repaving your roads less often or having lower quality parks or whatever, you know, services are going to suffer. So, you know, states that tend to ask more of high income families or at least tax them at rates that are more similar to what everyone else is having to pay, they tend to have more robust public funding for services. And that's a that's a clear finding in this study. We're talking with Carl Davis, who's the research director for the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy. We're talking about their latest report. It's entitled Who Pays? It's a report that's put out periodically about who pays taxes at the state level across the country. And of course, here in North Carolina, Carl, what about the notion that cutting taxes has a beneficial impact on the economy? I mean, that's, of course, the the argument that the folks who are the, the proponents of these repeated tax cuts. We've seen the repeated cuts to the income tax in North Carolina. This will mean that it'll be more attractive for wealthy people to be here in North Carolina, and that in turn will help our economy, and there'll be more of those kinds of people to pay taxes. Is there any indication that there's any merit to that argument? You know, we've looked at this before, with different comparing tax levels across states and what's the relationship to how quickly their economies are growing, and there's just no connection there. This is one of the most studied issues in the economic literature of state finance. And the results are very muddled because every time sure. you cut taxes, you're having to give something up. So you, yeah, you know, you're saying we're going to try to get by with, you know, lower quality infrastructure. Our, our workers are going to be stuck with longer commute times or, you know, our young people are going to be stuck with a worse education and they're not, you know, going to have the same skills that they can bring to the workforce later on. There's huge trade-offs to having lower taxes where we do not absolutely do not see this this connection between taking a low tax path and seeing the economy grow more quickly. One of the most jarring things going on right now with the trajectory of, of North Carolina's tax code and economic development is this 
phase out of the corporate income tax. Right. So right now the state is scheduled to soon not have a corporate income tax at all for supposedly for exactly the reasons you're talking about, not having a corporate income tax. We're going to attract corporations and grow investment. Here's the problem with that. North Carolina corporations, corporate tax bill, it doesn't depend on where their headquarters is. It doesn't depend on where their factories are. We're what's called a single sales factor state. And that sounds wonky, but all it means is your corporate tax bill in North Carolina depends on where your customers are. So we have multinational companies, you know, located all around the country and all around the world selling into North Carolina who may have very minimal presence in the state, if any, other than, you know, the delivery people who get the products there, salespeople. Yeah. And we're going to cut their tax bills by eliminating the corporate income tax. There's no economic development purpose to this at all, but that's how it's being sold. And I think that's pretty typical of talking about we need to cut taxes for high-income people, we need to cut taxes for corporations. Most people don't like that idea, and the way they sell it is saying that it's going to be good for the economy, and I don't just don't think that pans out. I think one of the things that's striking maybe to a lot of people as they look at, I'm looking right now as we as we record this at the graph that shows the breakdown for North Carolina. It shows what people pay if they're in the lowest 20%, if they're in the second 20%, or you know they're in the top 1%. What may be striking to people that may not even realize is that the lowest 20%, that's one-fifth of taxpayers in North Carolina, are bringing home less than $21,000 a year. We're talking about people who are very, very low income, and yet they're paying more than 10% of their income in state and local taxes. Meanwhile, folks in the top 1% making like $700,000 a year or more are only paying 6%. It's It's a remarkable fact just to see how many people there are of very modest income in our state. Tremendously important point. If you take a low-income family who's struggling to pay the rent, struggling to put food on the table, struggling to keep the lights on, and you tax them at over 10%, it absolutely affects their standard of living, their ability to provide a stable home life for their kids. There's real human consequences to that. And, you know, the really awful part about this is just how unnecessary it is. Because another thing we did in this study is we took a look at how states were taxing their poorest residents Mm -hmm. to figure out what's the connection there between that and the overall revenue level in the state. And there's close to zero connection whatsoever. The state ultimately is not raising that much revenue overall from taxing low-income families just because they have such vanishingly small incomes to begin with in the big picture. So this is not an effective way of generating revenue. It's just unnecessarily punitive. I mean, and the, and the reasons for this, I mean, the state has absolutely taken some steps backwards here with eliminating the earned income tax credit, for example. Um, you know, North Carolina is relatively unusual in actually applying income tax to the bottom 20% of families. Most states we've found don't do that anymore. They said, we don't need to take poor families and tax them deeper into poverty through the income tax. We recognize they're paying sales tax and gas tax and property tax and utility taxes and so on. We don't need to tax them through the income tax as well. But North Carolina is an outlier there, and eliminating the the earned income credit absolutely played a role in that. We're coming to the end of our time with Carl Davis, who's the research director at the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy about the Who Pays report. You can find it at itep.org. That's I-T-E-P.org. And if you want to get really specific, just put forward slash who pays, and, and the report will come right up. So... We see that North Carolina has been going in the wrong direction, Carl, but as you have alluded to, some states do a better job. If we could wave a magic wand, are there some specific things that North Carolina could do right now to at least stop the bleeding and maybe start to move ourselves back in in a positive direction? Yeah, I think this is a, a huge problem that has to be worked from both ends. And what I mean by that is 
restoring an earned income credit, bringing in a child tax credit, which is just being talked about in so many states right now because we saw so much success at the federal level in 2021 in reducing child poverty with child tax credits. Considering a property tax circuit breaker, that's a way to make sure property tax bills aren't getting too high for families relative to what that they can afford at their income level. So those are things we can do at the low end of the income scale. At the high end, I think the income tax is the first place to look. Stopping the income tax cutting focus would make a huge difference there. I mean, the income tax cuts that are scheduled to take effect in the next few years are going to drop North Carolina to the 17th most regressive state. It's just a clear march toward more and more regressivity there. So reversing those income tax cuts and stopping the ones that are scheduled to take effect next would make a big difference. Levying taxes on estates and inheritances, that's another way to get at this immense wealth inequality we have in North Carolina and around the country. Um, there's also been a lot of interest lately in uh, very high-end real estate transfer taxes. So mm -hmm. when you have $2 million homes and $5 million homes changing hands, taxing those at a little higher rate than, say, the average family's home, that could make a difference too. You know, none of those things are going to be enough on their own to solve that problem. But if you put some of these together, I think you absolutely can make a difference. We see looking at states like Vermont and Minnesota, New Jersey, it's a relatively diverse group of states. When we look at these states, when they have robust income taxes, when they have robust uh, tax credits for low-income families, they end up with a, a tax system that looks a whole lot more equitable than what North Carolina has right now. So this is a solvable problem. It's not rocket science. It's just basic numbers. And thank goodness the folks at the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy have run them for us. The report is Who Pays? A Distributional Analysis of the Tax Systems in All 50 States, of course, including North Carolina. It's, it's just rich with data and easy to grasp graphs and numbers that just show in the starkest terms of why North Carolina is going in the wrong direction in this vitally important area. Uh, Carl, thanks so much for your fine work in put, putting this report together. Um, we just hope that uh, more and more people will read it and share it and that eventually it'll start to have an impact. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this edition of News and Views. Remember, you can check us out online and subscribe for free to some of our state's best news coverage and political commentary at ncnewsline.com. You can also listen to all of our interviews and commentaries wherever you get your podcasts. For producer Clayton Henkel, Mr. Rob Schofield, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to News and Views, a weekly look at state news, events, and public policy debates produced by North Carolina Newsline. Visit them online at ncnewsline.com. 